Hi, I'm Alicia Atchison. I'm vegan, an animal lover, and animal rights activist. Many people say that becoming vegan is one of the best decisions they have made in life. I'm here to share my guest stories on their choice to live a kind life and what it means for them to be vegan. Welcome to A Kind Life. Today, I'm really grateful to have Michelle here. She is the co-founder of Happily Heifer After up on the Sunshine Coast. How are you going, Michelle? Yeah, really good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for meeting me today. I can imagine how busy you are. So really, really appreciate your time. Oh, that's all good. No worries. So I guess tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm imagining if I was to say to you what gets you up in the morning, you would probably say your animals. Yeah, that's it. The roosters, first thing. A <laughs> um, little bit about me. So um, I'm actually originally from Canada. You can't tell from my accent, but uh, moved out to Australia when I was 19. Grew up loving animals, absolutely loved animals, always wanted to work with animals, um, but didn't really know what that meant. Um, I um, actually studied to be a vet nurse, um, worked as a vet nurse for a bit, didn't really love the industry um, and found my passion in 2019 when we started the sanctuary. So yeah, the sanctuary has been running for about uh, three years and two weeks today. Um, so it's been, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> I bet it has. I'm thinking you probably never imagined yourself running a sanctuary. No, never, ever, ever. If you would have told me like four years ago that I'd be here, I'd be like, that sounds very silly. <laughs> I had also read as well that um, at some point in your past, you'd been a scuba diver instructor. Yeah, yes. I worked as a scuba diving instructor for about seven years. Um, That was my main, I guess, career before sanctuary life. Um, Yeah, did that, travelled all around um, Australia and worked all around Australia. It was super fun. Loved it. Was (laughs) Was that a love of animals as well, like a love of marine life or what got you into that? Yeah, yeah, love of marine life, uh, love of anything unusual and different um love of the ocean and the environment um particularly the marine environment and how unknown it is to to us and how important it is to us for the for long-term health of the planet yeah and so tell us how did you start your sanctuary all three three years and two weeks ago as you said (laughs) um so it kind of evolved. Um, I don't really know how you can evolve into doing this life, but um, it kind of did. So originally, uh, like I said previously, I was working as a vet nurse um, down in Sydney um, and um, my previous partner um, got a job opportunity to come up to the Sunshine Coast. um, And so why not? Sunshine Coast is an amazing place to live. So we hopped up in our car and moved on up here. Um, And I didn't really know anyone. So um, I was vegan myself and I wanted to meet people. And I just joined like Facebook groups, um, all that kind of stuff to meet like-minded people. Um, And I met a really close friend of mine who um, used to work at a sanctuary and actually started a a rescue um, program herself and kind of helped her with that. She's no longer running that. um, But yeah, kind of helped her along that way and then realised that there was just this huge gap uh, up here at least for for what we do um, and there was just so many animals needing help. So um, decided to start with just bobby calves from the dairy industry. So we created relationships with local dairies um, and would take in two to four calves at a time um, at a couple of days old 
um, rear them till they were like 10 to 12 weeks and then rehome them as loving pets and try and educate people about what they went through and what um, they would have gone through if we hadn't rescued them throughout that process. Um, and then that two to four calves turned into 20 calves when I went to the dairy one day and there was 20 sitting there. Um, and um, I was told that, oh, don't worry, the others will just bring around the back. Obviously wasn't an option. So yeah, just kind of grew from there. Um, we started doing more calves and then um, we we were put on the news. It was on ABC News and Channel 9 News. Uh, and then we just started getting contacted from um like we had a goat dairy farm contact us about goat kids. Um, we had egg producers contacting us. So it kind of just spiraled out of control from there, but in the best possible way. Yeah. And so how many animals are you up to currently that you've got living at the sanctuary? Um, so living at the sanctuary, we've got just over 70. Um, we have rescued just under 500. Wow. So, yeah, yeah that's, well, yeah. that's almost like over 150 a year. Yeah, it's amazing. It is. It's incredible. Um, we went pretty hard the first two years and then the last 12 months um, we've kind of slowed down a little bit, like we're still going crazy, but um, yeah, just taking a bit of a breather and um, focusing more on the sustainability and the long-term long -term goal of the sanctuary, yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you. I'm assuming it can be difficult, you know, to part with these animals after you've raised them, but also trying to make sure that they do go into loving homes. Like, do you sort of specify certain things around, you know, them going into vegan families or how does that kind of work for you? Um, so we don't specify that they have to go into vegan families. If they do go into vegan families, that's just a bonus. Um, we do have quite a few animals that we've rehomed into vegan families. We also have quite a few animals that we've rehomed into families who then went vegan by adopting those animals, um, which are probably my favorite homes because that's just like the ultimate success story. Not only have they rescued the animals, they've rescued so many more animals in that process of going vegan. Um, so those are definitely my favorite, but we do have um, we do have animals in homes of people who aren't vegan, and unfortunately, that's just the reality of of the world we live in. But we are very very specific about where the animals go to and what sort of treatment to have their forever home. Um, we've got like a six month screening process before the animal even goes to them. And then basically from there, they send us regular updates um, and we're able to visit the animal um, at all points and we keep in touch. So definitely making sure that they're safe, but um, not just predominantly vegan. Yeah, yeah. In what's like an average day for yourself and for Hugh, I'm guessing you guys are super busy up early and got lots of things to do. So give us a bit of insight into that. Yeah, so um, average day is wake up the crack of dawn, um, head on down, make sure everyone's safe and healthy and happy, um, feed everyone their breakfast, clean all the animals' enclosures, deal with any medical cases that we currently have or any rehab cases that we're doing. And then I think the biggest time consumer in sanctuary life is cleaning of animal enclosures a lot of people don't really take that into consideration particularly when you have 70 animals the the maintaining of their environment is super super important particularly for for me because um, that's their home and um, I don't like living in a messy home and they don't either so um, yeah keeping it nice and clean and hygienic for them is a huge huge time consumer but also um, the chaos of 
constantly new um, influxes of rescues coming in, um, sick animals or someone getting injured or all that kind of stuff. So we kind of have like a, this is what we're going to do today. And then this is what happens <laughs> um, based on how everyone is, everyone's going and who gives us a call saying, quick, there's a, there's a cow that needs help right now. So yeah, it just depends really. And I guess like, what are some of the challenges? Like what are some of the hard bits for yourselves? Probably one of the biggest challenges, particularly that I experienced in the past 12 months um, that I don't think is really talked about too much is um, compassion fatigue and burnout. Um, a lot of people see our social media and they're like, oh, I want to be you. That's amazing. You just get to come cows all day, you know, and it's really not. That's not reality. Um, just like every social media it's it's very very difficult to take on um so much so much pain and and animals passing animals that you put your blood sweat and tears and your heart into um to give everything that you have to keep them alive and and sometimes they still don't make it um the constant dread of getting those calls saying that you're needed um, and feeling like you're not doing enough I think that's probably the hardest part of of running a sanctuary or being involved in animal rescue and probably also um, the relentlessness of it all like every single day regardless of if it's raining if it's hot um, we live in Queensland like I think it's supposed to be 40 degrees on Wednesday and not looking forward to working all day in that heat but I mean, you got to do what you got to do to keep everyone happy and healthy. Yeah. And, and, you know, what are some of the strategies, you know, that you use yourself to manage the burnout and the heartache? Um, I think being realistic about what you can handle is really important. Um, I've definitely fallen a victim to that. Um, I think we, we get into this thinking that we can do so much and um, we don't realise that our limit might not be endless um and we think oh we're gonna just do one more or just one more just one more and you kind of have to draw that line because ultimately if if you're not looked after then you can't look after anyone else so um really important to not just focus on the animals and also focus on your own mental health and your own well-being um to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward for the animals in your care and not just putting everything in yourself into them and neglecting yourself in the process yeah I can imagine especially as well with you know recent times like there's a lot of added pressure I'm guessing and sometimes isolation as well you know you're constantly doing things on your own property that you know you might also feel alone at times oh absolutely absolutely I mean we've been very very lucky up in Queensland we have had very limited isolation compared to you guys down south I think we've had like two lockdowns and they lasted two days so it's been it's been pretty cruisy up here in that regard but um yeah it's it it brings a whole other element of challenges I think running a sanctuary during a global pandemic for yeah. sure yeah. yeah and would you have any advice for anyone you know that is looking at getting involved in rescue or you know looking at maybe adopting a few animals themselves yeah, um, I probably have lots of advice. The first thing that comes to mind is um, try and spend as much time with whatever you're wanting to get into before you get into it. Um, so, for example, if you're wanting to 
cow, um, try and spend as much as much time as possible with cows and do as much research as possible um, into how to properly care for cows and how to how to make sure that you're doing the best thing for that animal as opposed to just what you're wanting. Uh, I think a lot of people forget that, particularly with um, a lot of the livestock animals, um, they do have a, a very long lifespan. Um, cows can live up to 25 years and people think of the, the short term as opposed to the long term of that animal. So just making sure that you're not committing to something that you can't um, maintain is super important. And anyone who's wanting to get involved into rescue or sanctuary life or any of that um, category, I would say, do as much uh, volunteer work at as many sanctuaries and as many rescues as possible because um, everyone does something different and you're going to learn something from each individual place you go to and from each each individual you work under or work with. So um, I think that's really important and understanding that um, we are a community and we do need to work together as opposed to um, like against each other we need to kind of all come together and make sure we're all I mean we're all doing it for the same for the same reason at the end of the day so yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and are you I know you said initially when you started it um you were basically it was much needed up in the up in Queensland and Sunshine Coast like are you kind of still one of the only sanctuaries up there um so on the Sunshine Coast we are there are about three or four other sanctuaries in Brisbane um or the Brisbane greater area but I mean there could be 100 sanctuaries and there would still be a huge demand for it so um I think many hands make light work so the more people there are doing the work that we are doing um the better off the animals are yeah. And how can we support you? Like if we're not local to yourself and we can't physically volunteer at your sanctuary, is there other things we can do to help you? Yeah. Um, so the biggest, the biggest, biggest thing that we ask our followers to do or our supporters to do is become sponsors for our sanctuary. So you can sign up for as little as $10 a month. So $2.50 a week. Um, and that just comes out as a direct debit and you can sponsor your favorite animal that lives at the sanctuary and having that, um, influx of consistent income is amazing and so so helpful for maintaining the running costs of the sanctuary um, and maintaining the quality of care that we can provide um, when when we have increase and decrease and increase in, in the income or um, in the donations coming in um, it's very very difficult and it just kind of adds another stress into caring for these animals so um, making sure that we've got um, all their bases covered um, financially is probably the biggest thing that people can do and making sure that it's something that's sustainable for you so making sure you're just committing like a small amount of money um, versus like a really large amount of money every month um, yeah like I said two dollars fifty a week is quite affordable for most people so um, we're so so grateful to all those people who who donate their hard-earned money to our cause and I see as well that you've also got um, some fantastic like merchandise as well online that people can buy yeah yeah so we've got merch as well um we've got a local artist who's donated their time um so we've got like greeting cards and postcards um we've got some merch like I'm wearing one of our t-shirts it's very very dirty because I've been working all day in it so don't judge it on this but yeah on our website we've got a whole list of merch um and different things you can do 
in our online store. Um, we've also got options like if you don't want to do a monthly sponsorship, you can just do a once-off donation um, or you can buy a specific feed for specific animals. You can shout them a meal and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so there's lots of options depending on people's potentially their capability or ability to sustain something long-term, like you said. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And do you have any plans for the future of the sanctuary, like anything that you're working on or that you would love to be able to do in the future? Yeah, um, we've got a million plans and a million dreams of what we want to accomplish. Um, the biggest thing probably this year that we are working towards is um, we work we created an animal assisted therapy program last year um so we're working with the ndis um and doing um assisted therapy for people with um intellectual disabilities um and mental health concerns and all that kind of stuff as well as physical disabilities um so that's that's a really really big um chapter that we're starting um we're really really excited about um and just trying to continue once again that sustainability and that growth um, of the program uh, unfortunately we've kind of we've kind of hit a limit on um, at this stage at least on um, rehoming um, we're, we're struggling to find um, that top quality home and we always want to make sure that we are putting animals into the best possible place for that animal. So when we aren't getting those applications come through for those animals for forever homes, it kind of debilitates us on the work that we can do because ultimately if we can't find homes for them, we can't continue to take on animals um, because not only do we run out of room, um, but it costs a lot of money uh, and it takes a lot of work to keep them happy and healthy. So just trying to find different avenues where we can still continue to save lives and educate people and, um, and do the hard work that we are doing for the animals, but not directly in, in rescuing those huge numbers that we have been doing in the past years. And so with the program, is that something where um, people come to the sanctuary or you're taking animals into other people's properties or how, do, how does that work? People come to the sanctuary, yeah. So um, basically we, depending on the person and depending on their disability, um, we everything is at the animal's comfort level. So we're never, ever forcing animals into situations they don't want to be in. Um, we're not going to like... Be forcing them to be pat, don't pat, or all that kind of stuff. It's more just creating a safe space for everyone um, and allowing that energy to kind of uh, transition into humans as well as animals. Um, so these animals have come from abuse, neglect, judgment. Um, and I think a lot of people with disabilities and a lot of people with challenges in their life can relate to these animals um, and can find a connection and can find peace with these animals um, just by simply spending time with them. Um, so that's, that's really important to me um, and, and really, really exciting for me um, by not jeopardizing the animal safety and comfort and still providing that, um, five-star quality of life but allowing them to have like a higher purpose just by simply existing and being happy um, their happiness and their presence can kind of rub off on other people and other parts of the world I actually just realized that we totally forgot or skipped over your actual vegan story like how did you go vegan yourself yeah. um 
so I was vegetarian for a long time. Um, I kind of flip-flopped from um, vegetarian to pescatarian for like a long, a long, long time, many, many years. Um, and then I actually saw an ad for Veganuary about, um, I think, five years ago now. And um, I was like, oh, what's that? Um, and I clicked on it and um, I knew someone who was doing it. And I said, look, if I don't just, just do it, then I never will. So I thought I'll try it for one month. And if it works, I'll keep going with it. If it doesn't work, I'll just go back to being vegetarian. Um, and yeah, never looked, never looked back since. How long ago was that? About five years ago. Okay. Yep. And so was that yeah. during your time of being a vet nurse or like, how did that sort of correlate? Yeah. 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 During my time as a vet nurse, I specifically remember um, we we did an operation on a day on a chicken. And then I remember going to um, the lunchroom after right after that operation. And um, my coworker ate a chicken sandwich right in front of me. And my coworker was the vet that operated on this chicken. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, didn't we just save a chicken and then you're killing a chicken? So um, I think that kind of sparked thinking more about the whole picture. Um, And yeah, yeah. And then on that day, the ad for Veganuary popped up and there we go. The rest is history. (laughs) And do you find that um, like the volunteers that come to the sanctuary, do you find that there's a mix of vegans and non-vegans and it's part of the education or...? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We actually get probably more non-vegans than vegans um, who come to volunteer or at least who start volunteering with us. Um, Most of the volunteers who who remain with us and keep volunteering with us for longer than um, a couple months, um, they go vegan. Um, But um, we actually do have quite a few people who come through the volunteer program um, and aren't vegan and still don't go vegan after volunteering with the sanctuary. So, I mean, I guess at least maybe in a year's time, they'll look back and, and they may go vegan. But we have some people who volunteer at the sanctuary and aren't vegan and then we have some people who come on a tour and within the first two sentences they go oh my god I'm going vegan so I think it, it takes everyone a, um, a different amount of time to kind of flip that switch in your brain and kind of um, fully understand what we're saying and understand like no this is not a diet no this is not um, a, a choice this is a moral a moral issue here and it's so much bigger than just convenience and and taste buds you know what I mean um so yeah hopefully hopefully one day those volunteers who aren't vegan or who haven't gone vegan since volunteering with us they do but um we do get quite a few that go vegan which is amazing yeah and I'm guessing that that would have um you know been quite a change for yourselves to not only run a sanctuary but then you know invite people into your property you know and and educate them on the lives of the animals and also the impact they can have as an individual yeah yeah um the we we actually get a lot of volunteers through our tours so we get a lot of people who come on a tour, listen to the tour, and then either go vegan and want to volunteer and want to do everything that they possibly can, or um, or they they go, hold on, like I can help here, um, and sign up as a volunteer. So it's it's super empowering to know that that one experience has like changed that person's life forever, and I think um, 
I think a lot of the time people who work in rescue or work in sanctuaries kind of forget those incredibly life-changing moments and they get stuck in the day-to-day of running around, cleaning up poop, all that kind of stuff, making sure everything's done and they forget like, hold on a minute, I have literally changed lives not only of the animals in your care but also in in those people who have seen the work we're doing, have made a connection with the work we're doing and then gone vegan from there. And I mean, that's just a drop in the ocean. That person will talk to someone else who will then maybe go vegan, who will then talk to someone else. So I genuinely believe that that is going to be where the biggest impact um, we have on animal agriculture is just trying to get um, as many people as possible to to understand why we're doing this hard work um, and why it's so important to to change their life so that we don't have to do this hard work and we don't have to save these animals that shouldn't need to be in these positions in the first place. Yeah. Well, before we finish up, is there anything we might have missed that you did want to mention? Um, I don't really know. Maybe, probably. I'll probably watch this um, when it's released and go, oh, I should have said that, but at this stage in time, no, not really. Thank you so much. Um, you do really awesome work and thank you so much for spreading the vegan message. And um, I think it's so important that um, we acknowledge everyone's role in the movement and make sure that everyone's working to their strengths and working to um, what works for them. Um, I, I actually um, started my activism journey or my vegan journey um, in other forms of activism. I started doing um, like vigils and, and um, a couple of cubes and street activism and stuff. Um, and I really didn't like it. I found it didn't resonate with me personally. Um, and that's okay that like I have other strengths and um, there's so many other people who, who are so amazing at that work and, and they do so much good work doing that. So, yeah, I think it's really important that we all do what we're good at um, and if we all work together and play to our strengths, then we'll get there in the end. Yeah, and I think that's a really fantastic thing about our community is that, you know, we may not all be able to do a certain thing like rescue or sanctuary work, but, you know, we do always band together like in times for volunteering or at events, fundraising events and things. So I do think it's great that, you know, as a community we really help each other out. So thank you so much for all your amazing work. It's, yeah, so fantastic seeing what you guys do online. And I can imagine, like you said, it's always or mostly the happy bits that you do share, but we are very grateful that we can share that with you. So thank you. That's okay. I think it's super important. Um, As much as there are a lot of hard work, there are some pretty incredible moments that um, I take for granted because it's my day-to-day life, but Um, the animals are incredible and it's a a blessing to be able to spend my time with them yeah well thank you so much and um, I'll link all your information in the show notes so that people can jump across follow you and hopefully support you by sponsoring an animal or buying some merch and if they're local they could come and visit you definitely yeah it sounds good (laughs) yeah thank you so much no worries thanks for joining us today I would love to hear from you if you've been inspired by this episode or if you have any requests for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at a kind life. Remember, be kind to your body, kind to animals and kind to our planet. Take care.